Welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. If you want to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Seibert Radio and write into the mailbag. That is Mike Seibert Radio at gmail.com. This is a podcast where I talk about stuff and things um, that are on my mind every week. And sometimes I have guests. Like my good buddy Chris Kim, the Green Korean himself, who joins me now. How you doing, man? Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm fantastic. <laughs> oh man. So, so we've we've got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about, and we have a really juicy, controversial topic that we're we're gonna get into, and and terribly embarrass ourselves but before we do that um could you uh remind me and uh tell everybody else about your show and how to how to get a hold of you online oh well uh, the podcast that i do is called faces and aces las vegas and the premise is i basically will ask someone to come on and share their crazy wild fun silly embarrassing vegas story and once I have that, then based on some little element of that story, I will go out to Las Vegas and follow it up with an interview with someone who works and lives in Las Vegas. So, for example, recently I had on uh, someone who told the story about going to a strip club. And so that was the first part of the episode. The second part of the episode, I actually went to Las Vegas and talked to someone who works as a stripper in a strip club and found out a lot of things that I had no idea about. And so it's kind of a... Uh, something of a educational, <laughs> I say that laughingly. Yeah, sure. Uh, educational <laughs> podcast, kind of almost like a dirty jobs kind of thing, um, where I'm looking into things that I really know nothing about and I'm finding it very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a better example of the show is I talked to someone who uh, recently performed magic on in Vegas uh, on the Penn and Teller TV show. Her oh, name okay. is Kayla Drescher. And so I paired that up with an interview uh, from another podcast uh, with magician Mac King, who performs in Vegas. And so basically I create these themes for the show, and uh, it's always story and interview. Oh, okay. Very cool. The, the, the titular faces and the aces. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I, I think I made that same joke two years ago. You'll have to forgive me for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so, so Chris, I, I mentioned um, a little bit ago that you were the uh, first person that I uh, interviewed for KGRG. That was, that was all the way back in the fall of 2015. And it, it, it was just kind of interesting because uh, recently with Mike Seibert radio here, I've gotten um, a little more involved with the uh, Potter and family community than I have been in the past. You know, it's like I've, I've always kind of participated, but now I'm getting a little more involved. And and it's really kind of uh, made me reflective of that time that that I did not realize how um, influential the summer of 2015 was, because like I'm um, uh, I'm constantly seeing shows that I'm a fan of uh, celebrating the exact same milestones that I have recently. Like I, you know, not too long ago, I had uh, my 100th episode, um, had a two year anniversary. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I'm seeing uh, tons of shows, you know, it's like a lot of our uh, favorites, like, you know, like the Unwritable Rant, the Mr. BS show, you know, it's like a whole bunch of others that that I can't think of off the top of my head. But but yeah, no, it's like I, I 
I didn't realize that when I uh, when I started at KGRG on my uh, college radio show that I was kind of like starting at the same time as, as a lot of these uh, a lot of these really cool podcasts. It's yeah, it it, it was just kind of weird. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like having running buddies and you see the same people hitting the same milestones roughly around the same time that you are. Mm -hmm. And there's something rewarding and satisfying about that. It's kind of like, you know, you're all together celebrating at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I just thought that was really cool. So um, so let's let's get into this a little bit, because um, it's a you know, my my opinions on things have usually steered pretty vanilla i i kind of unintentionally stay away from controversy i i think i i'm not especially controversial just because i i'm a popular consensus kind of guy so like like i like generally the same movies that everybody else likes you know it's like i'm not like um epic film guy nick that hates everything and that's you know kind of become like a huge part of his character, and you know makes makes his show very very interesting. I love it, but um, you know th- that's that's one of the things I feel like I've always kind of lacked as a broadcaster is having that controversial edge to where it's like you know I make a stand and say I hate this or I love this unironically. Uh, the closest I can get is my uh, my my goofy love for Transformers the movie that you know I I. Uh, uh, you know, submit for every countdown with Paul and Wayne, but I, you oh. know, I, I don't know, but, but outside of that, you know, I, I, I stay pretty much in the middle, but, um, this, uh, uh, this last week, something came across and I, um, I kind of piped up a little bit. Um, I, I saw this in Twitter moments and I, I, these Twitter moments kind of bug me because it basically what it does is it will take something and kind of turn it into clickbait. Um, and so I saw something that says James Cameron says Wonder Woman is quote a step backwards. And uh, you click on the moment and it says in a Guardian interview, the Terminator and Avatar director responded to the excitement over Wonder Woman by saying it was, quote unquote, male Hollywood doing the same thing, end quote, which naturally caught some heat. And, And then like in these Twitter moments, it will show a variety of tweets on the topic. Um and and it was interesting and I, I I said that it was clickbait in that I saw the headline and I didn't even click into it before I tweeted it back out. And my uh, uh my response to that is well, this is coming from the same person that lied to fans about supporting Terminator, Genesis, Genesis, whatever the hell that 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 um, uh, that last movie was, saying right. that it's what the third movie should have been, and that he likes it and supports it. He not too long ago came out and said, "Yeah, that was all lies." You know, it admitted to straight out lying. So so I called it out from from that perspective, saying, like, this is this is he has no credibility. So I anything that James Cameron has to say really about anything, I um I I I, I just have I, I have no patience or time for because he's lied to fans and will probably continue to do so. But 
but then I did something later after uh, that tweet was getting some traction. I actually clicked into it and kind of read the uh, the article. Um, I, I unfortunately don't have it in front of me. My version of the article I had was from Entertainment Weekly, I think. See, I have it here in front of me, his quote. Oh, very good. Yeah. Uh, basically, okay, so here's the quote that he gave to the in, – in a much longer article, this is just one small piece of okay, it. Okay, good, good. He good. says – all the self-congratulatory back-patting Hollywood's been doing over Wonder Woman has been so misguided. She's an objectified icon, and it's just male Hollywood doing the same old thing. I'm not saying I didn't like the movie, but to me, it's a step backwards. Sarah Connor was not a beauty icon. She was strong, she was troubled, she was a terrible mother, and she earned the respect of the audience through pure grit. And to me, the benefit of characters like Sarah is so obvious. I mean, half the audience is female. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so my my hot take on that was, I mean, well, my first hot take is James Cameron has no credibility. My second hot take is, well, he's not exactly wrong. <laughs> so, um, but and, okay. and and I think, Chris, that's that's what we kind of wanted to get into and talk about today. Kind of like our our, uh, you know, perhaps uh, uh, viewpoints on things. Sure, sure. And and I think to address your two points, uh, the first one being that James Cameron has no credibility, I think we all know, we all kind of accept when people go out onto talk shows and say, this is the best work that I've ever done promoting a movie, they're lying because they know that Meet the Fockers 3 is crap. Yeah. <laughs> but they have to go out there and sell the soap out of obligation to their career or their agents and the studio that put up the money for the movie. Um, James Cameron, I think, had a certain interest in getting the Terminator franchise back. So, of course, he's going to play nice and get out there and promote and pretend to endorse Terminator 3. So any lie that someone out in hmm. Hollywood is making in front of a camera, I take it with a grain of salt. I wouldn't necessarily say that they have no credibility anymore. I okay. just kind of do the nod and wink and go, I get you. I, I get where you're coming from. Um so that's the, as well as he owned up to it. You know, later on he said, you know, that thing that I said about Terminator Genesis, I lied. It was crap. You know, now that the movie's done and the run is over and it's not making any money anymore, I can come out and actually tell the truth. See that that oh that's that's very interesting because I um I I guess as a fan. I I kind of felt kind of betrayed a little bit because and and let me explain why. I bought a ticket to that movie. <laughs> I I believed James Cameron. I think that's why I'm mad because I I wasn't going to go and then I saw James Cameron saying like, "No, th- this is a this is a worthy sequel. Trust me, th- this this is what I would have done." And that bastard lied to me. Oh, totally. He's straight up lied. And 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 it's interesting. I mean, you you raise a really good point and a really good perspective that I didn't really consider because I I I always felt that when uh, like like you mentioned, like you know, Meet the Fockers Part Three, I feel that when people are promoting that, that they genuinely feel that way. You know, it, it may be a garbage pile of a movie, but I think the people that are making it genuinely believe. That it's a good movie and and want to separate me from my money to see it, I I, I don't I don't feel that somebody that's promoting Meet the Fockers three is disingenuous. Whereas I felt that James Cam- James Cameron was being disingenuous, but but yeah, but that's yeah. I mean 
Yeah. I mean, maybe that was a poor choice. I, off off the tip of my top of my head, that that was the movie that happened to come come to mind. Oh, sure. There are maybe worse movies that celebrities have been out there promoting for themselves, knowing full well. And on the rare rare yeah. occasion, you'll have a celebrity drop out and not promote the movie. Yeah. Uh, but that affects their careers. I mean, look at someone like Katherine Heigl, where mm-hmm. she came out and said she didn't like Knocked Up, and that kind of messed with her career. That's a fair point. And, and I think to steer things, you know, more towards abstract examples to actual examples, you know, what my, my very favorite punching bag is Batman v Superman colon Dawn of the Rise of the R-rated Justice Carnival dash Ultimate Extended Edition. God, I hate that movie. But, but basically, I think um, the, when they were promoting it, you know, Zack Snyder believes in it. You know, uh, Henry Cavill believed in it. And then there was that famous meme where you could see the look on Ben Affleck's face when they're doing that interview, when they're talking about the backlash. I don't think he knew at that point. It's like, oh, oh, this movie's a pile of crap. And I mean, like even Brett Ratner came out and lashed out about uh, Rotten Tomatoes, you know, and and the um, negative reviews that that BVS was getting. Um, and I think that he sincerely believed that. I think like, you know, like the conspiracy theory about like paid off critics and, and it doesn't even occur to these people that it's, you know, the, 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 I feel that the rating doesn't disprove popular consensus. It's a terrible movie. I I mean, just, I mean, I mean, not to drag us too far off topic, but, um, cause yeah, I mean, nobody was saying, go watch BVS. It's a great movie, but secretly felt, no, really this movie's a pile of shit. I, I don't think anybody on that tour felt that, but. Ooh, that's an inter- interesting point. I wonder if at some point Ben Affleck knew it sank in. Maybe he, at the time he thought that it was good. And then after getting so much criticism, he, because he is an artist, he can't yeah. step back and look at it since he, he didn't, he didn't direct it. Right. But, um, yeah, I just, maybe I'm just a little jaded living in LA, living very close to Hollywood, knowing how this town works. You know, and and that's an excellent point that that's, that's a, and I think that's a, that's a really good, uh, place to leave that because I mean, I, I, I I get lost in the weeds very, very easily. Well, I mean, you had a second point where you did talk about James Cameron's comment. And if you just isolate that one clickbait sentence Mm. sure it looks like he's a complete a-hole and i've seen on twitter a lot of people kind of slamming him for being the a-hole that he is right um but that really doesn't have any bearing onto the amount of truth that may or may not be in in the statement if we could remove the guy from the statement and just kind of take a look at it Mm -hmm. um i tend to agree with it to some extent okay and I'm I, again send all hate mail. To, uh, <laughs> I tweeted this out earlier. Uh, send all hate mail to uh, Matt at the Mister BS Show. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, um, we are name brothers, he and I. So, <laughs> just kidding, Matt. Love you, brother. Uh, oh, oh, that's but, great. So, I mean, just kind of looking at what he said. Yeah. In that. Yes, Hollywood is very self-congratulatory, and they are mm-hmm. patting themselves on the back, specifically Warner Brothers. Yeah. I went to a panel, a screening uh, not too long ago of Wonder Woman that included executives and editor uh, of Wonder Woman, and the amount okay. of 
back padding that happened on that stage, I actually uh, put my hand on my wife's lap and then said, instead of rolling my eyes, because I know you can't see my face because I'm looking forward, I'm just going to squeeze your leg every time I roll my eyes. And I must have squeezed her leg several times during that panel just because they were so proud of themselves for presenting this woman icon and yeah. for showing that female movies can make money and we've broken mm -hmm. the glass ceiling and um, a lot of these types of statements. And hmm. while I will say that, yes, Wonder Woman did make a lot of money, I wouldn't necessarily say it's as groundbreaking as it is. I think they're out there doing the marketing speak to continue to try to squeeze every nickel out of every pocket that's willing to go see Wonder Woman. Yeah. I, I think that's what they're doing. And to me, that seems a little bit disingenuous. Mm. Um, to touch on James Cameron's comment that Wonder Woman is a objectified icon, leading up to the movie, Warner Brothers struck a deal with uh, the United Nations of all people yeah. to use Wonder Woman as an ambassador. And many of the people at the United Nations didn't want that because she is an objectified icon. <laughs> Many people protested it. Yeah, and and ultimately, what happened was that they they uh, discontinued that that campaign and that partnership. I I remember I covered that um, on my radio show at the time, and it, it, we we were genuinely excited about it. Like there was a uh, one of our co-hosts, uh, Wonder Woman is his favorite character, and he um you know he he spoke a lot about what the virtues of the character means to him and why her values resonate with him so much. And, and he thought that the, this was a great idea. Um, and, and I, I felt bad. I felt like, like a, like a, like a bad parent that kind of talks about how the world really is because I, I shared the positive part of the story. And then I told him about all the protests and all the negativity and, and the, the statements that people in, uh, in the uh, other parts of the United Nations were making. And, and to see the look on, on uh, my co-host face, he was heartbroken. He, he couldn't believe it. He, he's like, but, but, and and it was I don't know it was it, it was it was uh it, it was kind of a rough time actually because I I thought it was a cool idea I I think Wonder Woman is kind of that that icon for for truth and you know empowerment of of uh, young women and actually not just of young women but I mean of of people in general she's I feel that she's an empowering character she um, can be yes. Yeah. Oh, it see and there's the rub. That that's, you know, I and I think that's what some of maybe the dicier territory that that we're going to get into uh during this this uh conversation here. Um but yeah, I so yeah, so with the United Nations thing, it it was uh it, it's one of those things where I I could see it from a few different points of view. Um yeah. And if I could just jump in real quick, Please. I wanted to I wanted to clarify something that the eye rolling that I was doing on the statements that the Warner Brothers executives were making was out of frustration because they right. were co-opting women's empowerment to market their movie. Um, right. I, the way that I feel about it is she is not the first powerful woman to appear in cinema. There have been so many before her 
and you know I'm using that word powerful and many right. you know, it, as we when we get into our picking our favorite five powerful women in cinema mm-hmm. you, you'll kind of see where I'm coming from but I think they're I think it diminishes for them to take all the credit for breaking the barrier is absurd to me. Yes, they had a movie that did well for them, but I don't think it was the landmark movie that they claim that it is. Interesting. So let, uh, let's uh, let, let's get like kind of a baseline uh, litmus test here. What did you think about Wonder Woman? I mean, just as a movie, uh, do you like it? Do you hate it? Where Where do you sit on that? I thought that it was an adequate movie. I didn't think it was a bad movie, nor did I think it was a great movie. I think it told the story uh, fairly well. Um, I found it boring in some spots. Mm. I thought the animated movie that they put out a couple of years before was much better. Um, But yeah, this movie, and I also, I tend to think that, uh, oh, I'm going to know I'm going to get her name wrong. Uh, Gal Gadot was miscast. Really? Okay. I think so. Interesting. Yeah, but, that, but again, that's my personal opinion. Some people love her in that role. Um, my personal opinion, I believe that she was miscast. Okay. I um I liked it. I didn't love it. Meaning, like, mm-hmm. uh, the 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 closest reminder to me was Captain America: The First Avenger. It reminded exactly. reminded me exactly. very much of the first Captain America movie, and that's not a bad thing. Um, but right. but that first Captain America movie doesn't blow your hair back. It doesn't knock your socks off. It's like no, this is this is a cool vintage adventure. Um, it's yeah. Um, and and for me, my my harshest criticism of uh, towards uh, the Wonder Woman movie is the ending, because basically it's the same ending as Batman v Superman, and but instead of like a three on one fight, it's a one on one fight. But it's still the same thing with the glowing lightning and and. Uh, you know, it becomes a cartoon and mm. and it just it, it just threw me out of the movie. It's like you're taking an otherwise pretty decent movie and just, um, you know, DC just can't seem to get out of its own way and not have an ending that that's a blue laser towards the uh, shooting into the sky with junk floating around it. They, you know, they, they can't get out of their own way on that. Um, but, but for me, I mean, with, with the, uh, casting of, uh, Gal Gadot, um, I, I thought initially that she was miscast, um, but she won me over, um, by the time I finished watching Wonder Woman, I'm like, she's it. I, I, I'm there. Um, because there were like so many things that I liked about her performance. Like she was naive, but not derpy. You know, or um, you know, and and I liked that she's um, just exotic enough. If that if that makes any sense for a chubby middle aged white guy to say, but I mean, I mean, like her accent, her look. I mean, to the point where rather than having her do a different accent, they just made every, all of the other actresses do her accent, which I thought was right. really really clever. Yeah. Um, and it and it adds kind of a level of um, exoticness to the Amazons, you know, kind of like this otherworldly uh, quality to them. And I mean, again, I I liked her. I thought that she was the best part of her five minutes in 
Batman v Superman, and she's probably going to be the only part of that Justice League movie I'm going to like. So I, I, I'm on board uh, with the casting, but I, I, I got to admit, I was with the Basement Dwellers at first, and I'm like, well, because I, I had just known her from the uh, latter Fast and Furious movies. Where it's like, you know, she's kind of, you know, smaller in stature. She doesn't, that character didn't have a larger than life presence. I'm like, how is this person going to breathe life into this icon? I mean, that's what we expect from our Batmans. It's what we expect from our Supermans. I mean, even to an extent, that's what we expect from our Spider-Mans. So I, I kind of had that expectations. It's like, you know, somebody to fill those shoes. And I didn't think she was going to and, and found myself pleasantly surprised. But you know, I think that people at some point when they do recast Wonder Woman and if they get it, um, align it more with the character that I think that we're familiar with. It's kind yeah. of like when they cast toby mcguire as spider-man and at the time people said this is great he's fantastic mm. and then and then they uh cast oh his name escapes me at the moment what andrew garfield name? no the new one. Oh, uh oh uh tom holland tom holland right and people are saying wow that, that toby mcguire stuff no no this is it this one nailed it i kind of think that's how people are going to see wonder woman at some point in the future because i felt that her portrayal while she was Attempting to appear strong, I don't feel like it really came across. To me, there was some whininess in her performance hmm. in some points. And I've always pictured Wonder Woman in my mind, and mostly, I guess, based on the Justice League cartoon yeah. and the Wonder Woman movie and also all the uh, Justice League DC animated movies that have come out as a much stronger character, less whiny. Interesting. I I don't know if I totally agree with you on that, but I, I see your point. Because to me, I, I give Wonder Woman the same pass I give to Captain America. It's 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 an opening adventure. Like, um I I knew from this movie I wasn't gonna get Wonder Woman at the height of her powers. You know, mm-hmm. I, so I mean I I I guess in a sense as a viewer I'm still looking forward to that because this movie didn't give that to me but I give it a pass because I get a feeling it's coming where where I left Wonder Woman it's like this is a this is a solid beginning um okay so 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 now that we've kind of got that out of the way um um do you think that this movie is important like capital I important the way that like a lot of the executives that, that you were just sharing with us um, uh, were, were saying amongst themselves. How do you feel about that? I think that that's marketing speak. I think they're trying to place a certain amount of importance on this piece of popcorn summer movie mm-hmm. that I don't necessarily know deserves to be there. You know, it's it's kind of like, um, when a company will tout how green it's being when in reality the choices that they're making uh, like for example you go to stay at a hotel and uh-huh. they will say in the effort of being green we are not going to change the sheets and wash your towels every day unless requested just hang them back up and we're, look at us we're being so green when the reality is they're saving money that's the real motivation they're just hiding behind 
being green. I kind of feel the same way about this movie where I don't necessarily know if it's capital I important. It Uh was an entertaining movie somewhat, but um, for it to, you know, if we were going to pack away 10 movies that every woman must watch Mm. or every human must watch in order to (laughs) understand women's causes, I doubt that this would be one of them. I do agree with you from that perspective. And actually, I got to take a step aside here and realize how impossibly naive I am because I am the guy that will put my towels back on the rack occasionally. I fall for that stuff. And that, I think that's no, what I, I will too. I will too because my motivation and interest is in being green. Mm-hmm. And I applaud that. However, their motivation isn't necessarily that. Their yeah. motivation is this is one less load of laundry that we have to do over X number of, like it's the number crunching. How many rooms yeah. do we not have to do laundry over? Therefore, we're saving this much money in electricity and maid service and this, and therefore we're saving this much money bottom line, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm just saying there's not, it's not that it's bad, but right. I'm saying that that's not the necessarily, they're, they're pushing being altruistic Instead of the true reason, which is greed, if you know what I mean. I I, I do. I do. Um, You know, I find that to be somewhat disingenuous. Sure. Um, I, I kind of fall on the side of, you know, I talked about capital I important. Um, I don't think it's capital I important, but I do think it's lowercase I important because like I've seen from uh friends from acquaintances from social media the the this movie has been universally accepted whether whether warner brothers is shoving it down our throats or not and i totally agree with you that they are but like i i was telling you about my uh uh uh, co-host earlier and the the delight and wonder that I would hear from him talking about this movie. And like, there's like this, this, um, um, there's this iconic picture from Comic-Con where there's like, uh, the little girl, she's going through the, uh, autograph line and she's just chatting with Gal Gadot there. And it's, it's one of those things that I find touching to where, you know, it's, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, scores of little girls running around in Wonder Woman outfits, you know, playing with Wonder Woman dolls. And I'm okay with that. I, I think, I think that that's a good thing. And my thing is though, as, as a comics fan or, or as no, actually more accurately as, as a cynical geek, I just wish they would have gotten a better movie. I think a lot of folks are just happy that they got the movie that they got. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm with you in that if it does influence little girls to dream bigger mm-hmm. and to you know, be stronger, I think that's a wonderful thing. I agree with you there. Um, but for them to take the credit of creating the first female character to break you know, box office records and to prove that a female led <laughs> movie is viable in Hollywood. I mean, I, I believe star Wars did that the year before and, right. um, hunger games did that a couple years before that. And, you know, frozen throw frozen in there too. Sure. So, you know, they're kind of, that. I think that's the rub that I have with it, that they, they're taking the credit of, what a, you know, standing on the shoulders of other great female performances and taking all the credit. Yeah, and and I think I think that is a completely valid point, and I don't disagree with you on it. Um, my uh, my question uh, for you then is: 
do you think that they leaned hard into that um, uh, because of uh, the reaction to both BVS but also to Suicide Squad? Did did they kind of did Warner Brothers say like okay well we 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 already doubled down on Suicide Squad that doesn't work so we're going to triple down on Wonder Woman and I think our linchpin is oh well you know we're we're breaking the glass ceiling and you know this is capital I important uh, what what do you think on that maybe I mean I think I think you kind of you have it right and that that is marketing speak that's a way to sell and promote the movie and again here's another problem that i have Mm. when corporations use legitimate causes to shield their movies from criticism i mean we saw the same thing happen a year or two before with ghostbusters right and i don't know if you saw the ghost but the most recent ghostbusters it wasn't a great movie it was okay okay but anyone who dared criticize the movie online many people attack them for being a chauvinist or mm-hmm. sexist or you know they weren't allowed to express their fair opinion where this movie doesn't look very good yeah and and i don't know what it is i don't know if we like learned lessons from the ghostbusters because like you're absolutely right in that if you, if you I mean, I kept my head in the sand about it. I'm like, this movie looks awful, but I'm not going to say it is because I don't want to get crucified. Whereas, you know, with with Wonder Woman, since it I I think I think the difference is one is not a good movie and one is a better movie. Um, I, I wonder if just the fact that it's a good movie has has helped Wonder Woman be so accepted, whereas Ghostbusters wasn't. I wonder if Ghostbusters had been a good movie, would it would that have been the one where they said we broke the glass ceiling and whatever? Perhaps. Um, I guess. I guess I find the issue too serious to be used as marketing. Mm, right. I think. Uh, again, getting at the very root of it all, but yeah. sitting here thinking about it while we're having this discussion. Yeah. Um, I, I find it a little bit despicable that they would use it to increase profits. Um, now, one of the byproducts, good byproduct, is like you said before, little girls are buying Wonder Woman dolls or dressing up as Wonder Woman and feeling stronger and you know all those things, feeling better about themselves. That's mm-hmm. great. I'm glad that that's happening. But... Uh, I just, yeah, yeah. I guess I just kind of it rubs me the wrong way when they do do that. Yeah. Um, so one one of the one of the other um, criticisms that that James Cameron put out there was that um, that Wonder Woman is an is an objectified character where Sarah Connor is not. Um, and I want to uh, dwell on that a little bit because I, I know we we still want to talk about uh, uh, Patty Jenkins' response and uh, some other things regarding that. But but I, I wanted to I wanted to come back to that for for a minute because something you said earlier when we were talking about Wonder Woman being empowered and you said sometimes I want to go back to that w- with uh, through the kaleidoscope of Wonder Woman being objectified. Um, do you think? that Wonder Woman is an objectified character. Um, and, and the reason 
the reason why I said can be, it really <laughs> all depends because we're talking about a character that has a 75-year history. Right. And so if you want to go back to the origin of the character where she was kind of created out of one guy's bondage fantasies, right? I wouldn't necessarily say that that would be a woman's <laughs> icon, which is, you know, so there, that's explaining the qualification of she can be. It all really yeah. depends on who is at the helm of presenting her and also in what form media, whether it be comic books, television, live action television show, animated television show, or feature film. Well, and that's the thing, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, I mean, it's like Wonder Woman is one of those characters that is so susceptible to interpretation. Like, I mean, to the point where she doesn't even have a consistent origin. It's 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 a it's it's a sliding scale. It's constantly in motion. Whereas Superman is always the last son of Krypton. Uh, Batman is always, you know, a, a, a vengeful son of murdered parents. I mean, it's like those things never change. Sometimes the circumstances and the hows and whys and what fors change, but but those stone-clad things never change. Whereas with Wonder Woman, sometimes she's clay, sometimes she's not. Sometimes she's a demigod, sometimes she's not. Um, but anyway, yeah, sorry, I just I, I just wanted to kick in that two cents about the, the inconsistent origin, or, origins. Yeah, and origin stories can change. That's part of the nature of, you know, reinventing certain characters. You know, you keep certain elements that are true, certain elements that maybe you want to update. You know, you got to keep the character fresh for whatever decade you're in um i pulled up an article that i saw earlier today um where choosing wonder woman as the spokesperson at united as an ambassador at the united nations uh within the united nations created um some controversy let's see they said the staffers at the un said the comic book character character is not culturally encompassing or sensitive and it was an inappropriate choice at the time Mm -hmm. when the headline news in the united states and the world is the objectification of women and girls Mm. that was the problem that some had with selecting her so is she is she an objectified icon again it depends on how she's presented so it's not a a question that could be easily answered but Mm. i have seen you know, comic book panels where she's super busty and she's not wearing a whole lot of clothing. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, whether, whether we like it or not, her base costume is a swimsuit. So, I mean, so she can be perceived as an objective, objectifiable icon by some. Um, I do. I remember when Jim Lee took a crack at redesigning her costume. (laughs) Yeah. Give the poor girl a jacket. Right. And pants. <laughs> and pants. Yep. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I just look at other strong female characters in movies. You know, someone like Rey from The Force Awakens. And, sure. You know, not to say that you have to be covered head to toe and not to say being beautiful, you know, is what defines a strong character or doesn't define a strong character. You know, a strong character can come from many different sources. But I understand where I'm just saying I understand where the controversy comes from, given her costume. Yeah. And and honestly, I think that's where a lot of it comes from. It's like it's the costume. 
Um, and and I think it's the artistic portrayal. I mean, like if you look at an Adam Hughes pinup of Wonder Woman compared with, say, like a Cliff Chang uh, interpretation of Wonder Woman, I mean, they, they look like different characters. You know, and every artist interprets her differently. And, and yeah, sometimes she's more sexualized than others. But I don't I, I think this may sound odd. And, you know, if you if your BS sniffer is going off, uh, let me know. I think that beauty is a trait of the character. I, I, th- I think beauty is part of the core of Wonder Woman's character. However, I don't think that sexuality is a core of Wonder Woman's character. So I don't think she's a sexual character, but I do believe that, that, that she's a beautiful character. And I think that's part of it. Agreed. I mean, she does come from Themyscira, where mm-hmm. apparently there are just all, it's all beautiful women. So it's consistent with the character and the history of the character. So I think maybe James Cameron might be a little bit off there. Um, however, I do take issue with Patty Jenkins' response. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's let's get into that because I, uh, I I I think I skimmed over it, but I haven't I haven't had a chance to uh, uh, ruminate and digest on it. So um, yeah. So so what what did uh, Wonder Woman director Patty Jenkins have to have to say? So her response that she posted was. James Cameron's inability to understand what Wonder Woman is or stands for to women all over the world is unsurprising, as though he's a great filmmaker, he's not a woman. Strong women are great. In praise of my film Monster, oh wait, his praise of my film Monster and our portrayal of strong yet damaged, uh, a strong yet damaged woman was so appreciated. But women have to always be hard, tough, and troubled to be strong. And we aren't free to be multidimensional or celebrate an icon of women everywhere because she's attractive and loving, then we haven't come very far, have we? I believe women can and should be everything, just like male lead characters should be. There's no right and wrong kind of powerful woman. And the massive female audience who made the film a hit, the hit it is, can surely choose and judge for their their own icons of progress. Hmm. So I guess the beef that I have with her response is um, the shutting down of James Cameron's opinion by dismissing him as not really understanding woman, Wonder Woman because he's a man. Yeah. That's the issue that I have, and I think any type of verbiage that shuts down discussion or debate isn't necessarily healthy. Someone can express their opinion, should be able to express their opinion, and be wrong or be right, but put it out there for people to judge for themselves and to kind of make it seem like his opinion is dismissible because he's a dude that rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. And I, I'm inclined to agree. And I don't, I, I want, I don't want to steer into the hornet's nest, but that reminds me of a lot of what I'm hearing going on in uh, just kind of the social climate in general. Like it's like, you can't have an opinion on this because you're white. Or, you know, you're this ethnicity, you're this gender, you know, like, um, you know, you, you can't understand uh, uh, trans issues because you're a cisgendered uh, white guy. You know, it's like, you know, I, I, I think I, I agree with you, Chris, that when um, diversity flips on its ear and becomes exclusion, 
that's that's problematic for all of us. Yeah, and there is some truth to what you were just saying. Mm-hmm. We may not have as deep of an understanding because of how we grew up, how we were raised, what we were exposed to. Sure. The person who has experienced those things definitely would have more insight, you know, practical insight. Um, but that's to say, let's have these discussions so people like us can learn. Mm-hmm. I think, and you know, so to have the type of language that says, no, shut up, don't talk, not saying that that's what Patty said, but right. when you say, eh, he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't count because he's a dude, he doesn't get Wonder Woman, he doesn't get Wonder Woman because he's a dude, maybe there may be some truth to that, but I think a better way to go would have been to say, I appreciate James Cameron's opinion as a male. Subtle change in language, sure, but it's open and inviting as opposed to shutting down. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think, and again, that that speaks to uh, what I was getting at earlier, where you know, it's like your your opinion doesn't count because your experience doesn't match mine. And that's uh, again, that's uh, I, I don't want to uh, steer it into uh, you know like a, a larger world issues. Where I mean, because at the end of the day, we're talking about comic books and movies and nerdy stuff. But um, but yeah, no, it's it's. It's interesting because, like, I think there is right and wrong in both James Cameron's points, and I think there's there's right and wrong in Patty Jenkins' response also. Neither one of them is 100% right, but likewise, neither one of them is 100% wrong. And and there yeah. I go being vanilla and in the middle of the road with, uh, with, with uh, my perspectives again. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like there, there's enough, um, enough wrong to go around, but it's interesting that you've heard almost nothing on social media about what Patty Jenkins wrote, but you get on Twitter and like, even like James Cameron was trending for a good long time to where you could click on it and you would just see pages and pages of uh, people just, you know, just tearing the dude down. And again, as I qualified my statements earlier, I I don't think his statements have a whole lot of credibility for me personally. Um, but likewise, I don't know if I go so far the other direction as a lot of what I've seen on social media. And I think that's as good a place as any to leave things for the time being. Feel free and let us know what you think about what you've heard so far. You can reach Chris at the Green Korean on Twitter, or you can hit me up at Mike Seibert Radio. And come back on Thursday for part two of our conversation, including your tweets and responses, plus our five favorite badass female characters in movies and TV. Um, one of our lists is very thoughtful and earnest, and the other is my list and may or may not include robots. For my guest, Chris Kim, my name is Mike, and you have been listening to Mike Seibert Radio. And until next time, make good choices. 